What's going on, lovers and friends? Welcome to the podcast called The Same Damn Thing I Just Said, hosted by yours truly, Shamboodram. Here we talk about sex, love, relationships, and dating. And speaking of relationships, the most important one around these parts is the one that we share with each other. And in order for a relationship to thrive and survive, it needs accountability and it needs communication. So I have to tell you guys that I apologize for being inconsistent with putting these episodes out. My intention is to put them out Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern time, midnight if you're on the West Coast, but that doesn't come to fruition as often as I would like it to. And I often have very good excuses for that. Just giving birth or kids being sick, traveling. And in this particular case, it's kind of a mix of everything along with the fact that Valentine's Day is by far the most overwhelming time of year for me when it comes to the work that I do. Now, I'm very grateful for that because in years past, Valentine's Day was extremely overwhelming for very different reasons. I tried so hard in that situation and it didn't matter. Um, it just didn't work. Uh, and obviously right now I'm single because, you know, you can't do this when you're ready to love and meet somebody else. You got to be way past this point. And I'm like six months, you know, it's still kind of fresh and give myself a couple more months more. Um, you know, I'm really ready to meet that next person, but I still have some healing to do for what, what that did. That is an excerpt from a video that I put out February 14th, 2015, which I titled The Truth About My Love Life. And in that video, I was in essence trying to make sense of the fact that up until that point, I had experienced multiple strong, impressionable, powerful loves that I perceived to be soulmates. However, I was also aware that none of those people were my person. And I was just talking about the various connections that I had had. And in essence, that's what this episode is truly about. How do you make sense of your soulmate now being your ex? And as a modern dater, there's going to be multiple people that you are going to envision a life with that you will end up losing. And making peace with that, I think, requires us to rewrite some old scripts. So many people think of a soulmate as our one true match, a person we are inexplicably drawn to and we know we are meant to share our lives with. And while this concept held up nicely, you know, several decades ago when people married a lot younger, the modern dater has probably noticed that lightning does strike more than once. According to the National Center for Health Statistics, those born in the 80s and the 90s are not just getting married later, they are on pace to stay unmarried at rates substantially higher than previous generations. So with that being said, we have to learn to make sense of deep but failed relationships that we once believed to be our one, but ended up not even being our two, our three, our four, heck even our five. Which leads us to the question, how do you make peace when your soulmate becomes your ex? And as somebody, again, who has experienced this firsthand, the way that I have reconciled with this is looking at soulmates not as destiny-bound, long-term lovers, but instead as supernovas. Bright, attractive, electric, powerful, but fleeting romances that are meant to transform us, but not necessarily stay with us. So with all this in mind, I believe that we can experience many, many soulmates, but most of us will choose one, or in some cases, a small number of people to try life partnership with. And to me, that's the key difference. A soulmate is a person that your subconscious, destiny, God, karma, whatever you prefer to call your higher power, that thing chooses it for you. 
but a life partner is someone that you consciously, enthusiastically, mindfully, and consistently choose for yourself, and of course, vice versa. Another way that I have explained the difference between the love you experience with a soulmate versus the love you experience with a life partner is using the metaphor of a ripe fruit versus a fruit tree. Now, a ripe fruit is colorful, attractive, delicious, and ready to be enjoyed on site. You are drawn to the fruit, and it's drawn to you because being adored and consumed, that's the fruit's destiny. And oh, when you are consuming it, it is satisfying and fulfilling. But when that fruit is done, so is the nourishment. Now, if you can acknowledge and accept that, this can be a positive and healthy experience, something you can look back on fondly without looking for it to be anything more than it ever could be, a piece of fruit. However, the trouble begins if you want more from that fruit when there is nothing left to give. And anybody who has ever found themselves ripping at the peel and squeezing the seed of a dry ass relationship knows exactly what I'm talking about. Conversely, a fruit tree is the kind of love that has the potential to provide ample fruitful experiences. But in order to actualize that destiny, the tree requires sun and soil, two powerful cooperating elements that agree to consistently show up and pour into that tree, that love, so it can survive, thrive, and give back. Now, of course, there's gonna be times when the sun won't shine or the soil will spoil. And in those times, somebody may have to do more than their fair share. But at the root of that tree, there is a love that is mutual, intentional, purposeful, cherished, and thus resilient. Knowing the difference between fleeting, fruity love and fruitful long-term love can make all the difference in your intimate life, allowing you to experience multiple deep connections without needing those connections to be more than what they were meant to be in order to validate them as perfect for exactly what they were. Now, my intellectual crush, Esther Perel, she's talked about this in a different way too. There are many people you will love and they are not necessarily the same people that you will make a life with. Are you looking for a love story or are you looking for a life story? You understand? Yeah. There are many people have had love stories. It's a whole different story. I never thought for a minute I would live with these people. Take something else to have a partner in life with whom you're going to go through the pains, yeah. the sufferings, the challenges, the, you know, the, the, all of that. On her website, Esther goes on to say this too. Life stories are not the same as love stories. It's a different set of ingredients, different aspirations. We can have an incredible romantic interlude for a few months, totally disconnected from our realities, and it can be a perfect, beautiful love. But it has little to do with the intricate scaffolding that supports a life together. Viewing marriage as the ultimate goal of a romantic connection reduces a complex set of needs and stuffs it into a social construct that doesn't serve every type of relationship we can have. And I think that this is also very important to add on to the video because Esther is taking care to communicate that a relationship isn't a waste of time because it didn't stand the test of time. After all, we don't look at shooting stars as failures. We see them as lucky, memorable, brilliant, but momentary. So in this episode, I want to talk about the shooting stars of our love lives, soulmates that never turned into life partners. Furthermore, I'm going to break down 10 different archetypes of soulmates, plus share my experiences with each, as well as some of your experiences with them too. So let's get to this list right after the break. Pardon the interruption, but also welcome to the ad break. Mm -hmm. Welcome, Jared Brady. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. I am struggling like no other today, and so I'm very grateful to have your presence. I love you. I love you too. It means a lot to me. 
Okay, so when you were growing up, yeah, you had a grandma who spoke Spanish. Yeah. And yet, as an adult in a Spanish-speaking city, you don't speak Spanish. No. How'd that happen? Uh, they didn't speak to me in Spanish. I don't know. They, they should have. I would have learned two languages and I would have been a little bit more equipped to be here in Los Angeles. But no, they did not. But you know you can write that wrong now. I can. So I actually signed up for Babbel about a month ago. Yeah. And you did notice my Spanish was getting better. Yes, I did. So if you're not familiar, Babbel is a language learning app that has sold more than 10 million subscriptions because it's addictively fun and easy lessons, usually about 15 minutes a piece. It's gamified, so you're learning and you're playing as you go. You can also do live chats so you can practice what you've learned with other people who are practicing. I like that. Do you like it? Yeah. All right. Are you really, really down to do this? Are I'm really, really it? down. Because here's what I can offer you. Babbel. I can offer you 55% off your subscription with Babbel. 55%? 55% off. So wow. if you are ready to learn a language and put action behind it and you have 15 minutes every day or every other day to put behind that intention, this is the app for you, the app that I am choosing and benefiting from and the app that now Jared is choosing today. Yeah. Shake on it. Yep. We're going to do a full podcast in Spanish. When? When we learn. Go to babble.com slash lovers. Again, that's babble.com slash lovers for up to 55% off your subscription. Yeah. And that's with Babbel. And they give you language for life. Soulmate archetype number one, the stranger soulmate. So during my BA in psychology, I did a course called The Psychology of Love. And in that course, there was a section on passionate love. So I've talked about this before, how there's passionate love and there's companionate love. And when it comes to passionate love, unrequited love is a subsect of that, meaning you can experience a deep and meaningful love with somebody who doesn't even know that you exist. And I know this to be true because I know Devin. And it's so creepy that I say this person's real name um, and that they, I even say their name at all because I doubt that I am even a fingernail of importance in their life. But Devin was somebody whom from senior kindergarten, which in Canada, that's age five to age 13, I really deeply loved. And I probably have never had a conversation with this person. I know where they lived. I know what they did for fun. I know what their mom and dad looks like. They went to my schools. So they lived a street over from me. And every time I would pass by their house, I would look for them. I would get butterflies if I walked by them. The thought of them would fill me up. I had fantasies about our life together. And this young but formative connection that I had, even though it wasn't reciprocal, was very formative for me. It taught me a lot about the power of love it introduced me to the feelings that romantic love can provide you with, both positive and negative. Um, and it gave me an opportunity to, at a safe distance, I guess, um, really experience romance for the first time. And I do consider that person to be a soulmate. So creepy. But yeah, Devin, you were a soulmate to me. I have no idea who you are now. Again, I stopped seeing this person at age 13. This is like over 20 years ago, but I still think about it. The second archetype for soulmates is the black hole soulmate. This is usually our first experience with requited passionate love. And the way that I like to describe this is if you have 
never taken a drug before and you don't know anything about drugs and you were introduced to it for the first time and you get this incredible euphoric feeling. You're like, what is that? I've got to have more of it. And because you're not aware that this can be addictive and a little dangerous, you allow yourself to fall fast and furiously. And that was my first truly loving relationship with Jonathan, who once again, I'm using their real names because in that original video, The Truth of My Love Life, I use their names. So these are also very common names. So who knows who these people are? But uh, Jonathan was my first black hole love. I completely lost myself in that person. I was in love with this person during high school and I took up a job at my local newspaper doing a sports beat because as you all know from my introduction that I say every week, I have an educational background in psychology, sexology, and journalism. So when I was trying to become a journalist or thinking that that was going to be my original path, which it is just in a different vein, I was looking for journalistic opportunities within my local town. And so my local newspaper was somewhere that I went to intern. And I specifically asked to go to the sports department, even though... Yes, I used to run track, but guys, I don't know a damn thing about sports. I don't enjoy watching them. It's just not my passion area and really truly never was. But I took up the sports beat because Jonathan, um, my ex, my on and off ex at the time, he uh, was on the football team at a different school and I wanted an excuse to go to his games and stalk him. And it wasn't just an excuse that would allow me to do it externally, like show up at games, but also internally to justify some of my stalkerish and quite honestly, psychotic behaviors. So I would go to his practice and watch from my car, convincing myself I was doing this as a part of my job. No girl. Um, and one time in particular, I was outside watching his practice and I felt like he saw me. And so I got really flustered and I got in my car and then I drove away and ended up driving directly into the bumper of another car in front of me. Uh, it was a small fender bender, but the person did have a kid in the back seat, And that was the wake up call that I needed that I had to stop allowing myself to indulge in this feeling recklessly because it truly had become just that. But that connection, that feeling, I will always remember, but I never wanted to feel like that again. Let's talk about the almost doesn't count soulmate. The person whom on paper really should have been your it. And when you were with that person, you kept trying to convince yourself, this should be it, this should be it. But late in the night, when you woke from a nightmare, they're not the name that you called. And early in the morning, when you first woke up and checked your phone, they're not the name that you hoped text you good morning. And you might have hated yourself for that, but there is nothing that you could do about it. For some strange reason, it just wasn't clicking. When I moved to Los Angeles, I was in an on and off again relationship, which I'll talk about later on um, in my soulmate confessionals. And I was trying to get out of that connection because it was a very harmful one. So I was on dating apps and there was one person in particular that I matched with on a dating app and we never found time to meet up, but I did go on a date with another person. And while I was on that date, I ended up walking by this guy that I'd matched with. And we both saw each other and immediately were like, I think I'm supposed to be with you and not this guy. And I don't know if he was with someone at the time. And sure enough, when I got back home, I went in the app and I saw that that message was there that was like, I think I just saw you on a date. And I think that person's supposed to be me. And I'm like, I think it's supposed to be you too. And again, sometimes when we have these soulmate experiences, the stories line up, like it, the math maths, like this is the story that I should be telling at a wedding as I'm toasting to my husband. And sure enough, we went on dates and it was incredible. We had a lot of fun together. We really clicked personality wise. He was very attractive, 
very of high value individual, um, but it just didn't gel. And because of that, I put off intimacy for a very long time. And I just mean basic intimacy, like even kissing, even though that there was romantic feelings amongst us, because I knew that when that kiss happened, I couldn't deny anymore what was already looking me in the face, that lack of sauce, the lack of connection. And we did eventually kiss and that deepened the connection for me, but deepened the resolve, deepened the connection for him, but deepened the resolve for me that this just wasn't my person. And I unfortunately had to let them go. I believe I did so, I did do so in an ethical way. Um, I will say the unethical thing that I did is because I felt that they were so incredible and I was, I valued them so much. I tried to set them up with friends because I'm like, I can't, it's like when a job opportunity comes your way. I'm gonna leave it. I don't have the time, guys. I gotta, I'm gonna. I can't leave it. This is kind of scary. Welcome to the ad break. Hey, woo. Thanks, babe. Yeah. All right, so you said something really important just now yeah. in that in order for our romantic love to expand in this next season, mm. you need more time for solo loving. Yeah. More you time. Yeah. I think that was pretty bold and revolutionary because a lot of people tend to think that once they get into a romantic partnership, that prioritizing self becomes obsolete or secondary. Or selfish, it feels. Exactly, yeah. rather than self-full. Yeah. And what I love about Bumble, who was sponsoring this episode, and also I'm Bumble's sex and relationship expert, and so Dang. I get to talk and work with them all the time. I love Bumble, I'm so grateful for our woo. partnership. Is that a real woo? Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm just checking on the genuineness of the woo. I think that's a fair thing to say. So Bumble's campaign this Valentine's Day is you come first. Yeah. And in essence, it's saying that, yes, even though you're on this app looking for connections, doing it through self first, making sure that you feel good, that you are fulfilled, that you are enjoying the process is more important than anything else. Yeah. And what Bumble really wants to tell people is that before you put yourself out there, put yourself first. Mm. And when you do decide to put yourself out there, we both highly recommend that you do it with Bumble. Yeah. Is there a code anything? No. Oh, does it? They just want you to give it a try for free. So it's free? Yeah, Bumble's free. Bumble's been free. You were on Bumble. All right. The unethical thing that I did to my almost doesn't count soulmate is that I tried to set them up with friends. And the way that my brain perceived this is kind of like when a really good job opportunity comes your way and you're not in a place where you could take advantage of it, you pass it on to people that you care about because you're like, this could really be life-changing. It's just, I don't have the capacity right now or whatever the reason is, you can't take advantage. That's the worst term. You can't take part. But the almost doesn't count soulmate perceived this as me not looking at our connection as meaningful at all and just dismiss them and toss them around to friends. And that deeply hurt the person and because I didn't communicate that it was the opposite. I really felt that they were so incredible and I really did see so much value. Um, and in often cases, and I've talked about this, you know, birds of a feather flock together. So maybe you and me don't have that thing, but my other friend who's really similar to me, you know, so if you like me, you're probably gonna like them and they're probably gonna like you. In my mind, it made sense, but yeah, no, it was just not the wave. And uh, I wish I didn't do that. Let's talk about the only if they soulmate. And I think this is the one that we have all likely experienced. Only if they were a human and not a dog. Only if they were the gender that I am traditionally romantically attracted to. Only if they lived in my city. 
that you met the perfect person and it's all there. There's just a huge roadblock that you cannot get around to change. And that's going to make it so maybe you could, this person can be in your life, but they definitely could have been in your life in a much bigger and romantic and meaningful and life partnership and happily ever after way. Only if they dot, dot, dot. I experienced this kind of soulmate love with my friend, Andrea Lewis. And to this day, that's why I still have such deep feelings for her. And when we were as close as we were at the time, we were so inseparable and it was so magical. And I remember constantly thinking, my gosh, if I could get this feeling and this experience for somebody in a life partnership, I'd be set. Um, I didn't until years later, but this is the person who introduced me to the idea that love could be a lot of fun and very connected and very enmeshed and very healthy. So thank you for that. Woo! This one though, the, we're not going to be together, but you'll stay with me forever, soulmate. Now, everybody that I've spoken about, about, about so far, all the soulmates, even though those were very strong and passionate connections, they're dead. Not the people, the people are still alive but that feeling between us isn't there anymore. If I saw those people again today, we might be able to reminisce about the fire, but it wouldn't be standing between us, warming us up. But this soulmate is somebody that, as the saying goes, you'll always hold a torch for. There's just going to be something, even though you're just aware that it can never be anything more than what it is, just a feeling. D'Angelo has this song that's called One More Again, one more again, let's say it <laughs> one more again. Um, that to me describes this soulmate feeling pretty accurately. And I I lost it when I lost them. The connection that we had over a decade ago was so fun. They made up a, na a song about my name. I scrap. I made a scrapbook for them. Like a, I made a comic about you know our adventures together. I just had such a joyous experience um, when we shared space and time. Sexually, the chemistry was great, but ultimately um, it ended in a negative way, and. For reasons, again, I don't feel comfortable going into because I still talk to this person somewhat. When I look at the life that I have and the life that I value and treasure and the love that I have, the love that I value and treasure, oh my gosh, um, I couldn't swap that person in. And I couldn't swap myself into the life that they have built for themselves now. So I know that it's meant to be this way. And for that reason, I can enjoy the fire that this person still gives me without being drawn to get too close to it where I know I'll ultimately be burned. Popping in for the ad break. Hey. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that feeding Ryu has gotten really stressful. Yeah. I don't know what she likes. I don't know what she wants to eat. And as a result, I feel like we're just throwing things at her. Yeah, she's two years old, so lollipops is all she wants. Right. And so I'm trying to figure out ways that we can add more variety, nutritiousness, and deliciousness into her diet. And I think that we should really shift our HelloFresh order to accommodate what Ryu likes and to figure and find that out. Yeah. Yeah. And they do really well, like hiding the vegetables and understanding what flavors go well together. And their meals are actually good and they're healthy, which is surprising because they're actually good. For anybody who has not done HelloFresh yet, HelloFresh is farm fresh, seven days from the farm, 
to your table. That is their promise to you. It is super convenient. You go onto the app, you pick the meals that you want, they get delivered right to your door and everything is pre-proportioned. So you don't have to be a mathematician. If you have four people to feed, they will give you enough food to feed four people deliciously and comfortably. There's this meal that I was reading up on that they have the chicken penne and Parmesan cream sauce. Yeah. That seems like it says Ryu all over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is going to be the top of our list of things to try. But what will you try? And that is a question we want to pose to you because you're going to be getting 65% off HelloFresh. 65%? Yes, you will. When you go to HelloFresh.com slash Lover65, you're going to get 65% off your purchase. Good job. Good job, HelloFresh. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash Lover65 to get 65% off your order plus free shipping with HelloFresh. Yeah, 65% off plus free shipping. This is my HelloFresh voice. The one that got away, soulmate. You already know what this one is. They checked the boxes. They lit the fire. The connection was there. The compatibility was there. But maybe the circumstances and the timing, and maybe you weren't there. Maybe at the time you weren't able to show up in the way that you can now to give and receive and contribute to that kind of love, that kind of fruitful tree love. And as a result, there's something a part of you that still pines for them and kicks yourself because you let it get away. And now it's too late. That person has moved on. Um, or maybe they won't give you another shot. I don't have a story for this. And uh, that's kind of a humble brag moment. But yeah, there is not an ex that I've been like, man, life could have been great with them. I genuinely believe that I have the best life possible with the person that I'm with. And I look at all the lives of the people that I've loved before and I'm like, yeah, that wouldn't be for me. The Riptide Soulmate. Oh, you ever got caught in a Riptide before? It's in essence when you're swimming in the ocean and all of a sudden you think that you're moving closer to shore, but you're being drawn further and further away and you can't really figure out why. And um, some soulmates can be like that. They suck you in and they get a hold of you, and if you're not careful, it can drown you. And maybe not literally, possibly literally, but it can take away your spirit, it can take away your strength, um, and it can move you further and further away from the shore. And I have talked about this many times, because uh, this, and it's unfortunate, this soulmate connection was not my most positive, um, but it definitely was one of the most impactful ones. The argument got so bad that I had to just run. I literally grabbed the keys and I ran away from him to get to the elevator. He chased me down, ripped those keys out of my hand and smashed them. It was a car lock key, right? So it was electronic. He smashed the keys on the ground so I couldn't go pick up my mother. I know what it's like to love somebody so much at the cost of yourself and still, be treated poorly and still be chosen second and still be trampled all over um, and to be abused and to be hurt and to want to take the blame on for yourself because you love that deeply that you want to do anything you can even if that means risking your own self-esteem and in September a major thing happened where I looked this guy in the face and I said it is not my fault you're fucked up the most powerful thing I could have done it is not my fault that you are fucked up. There is nothing that I could do. There is no more that I could love. There is nothing that I could have said to make you a good person. And you have to go on that journey for yourself and that journey does not include me. You might've heard people refer to love as a drug, as a potion. 
but I think it's important to be clear on what that actually means. So most of us think of love as a magical feeling, but technically love is not a feeling because feelings ebb and flow based on our circumstances. Meaning you might feel happy right now listening to this episode, but if your phone suddenly died, the happiness would quickly be replaced with irritation. Love, however, is present regardless of what's going on through the happy, sad, irritating, and irrational times. Love is still there. So it's actually more logical to think about love as a chronic neurological condition that's been developed and passed down through our DNA for thousands and thousands of years. Heady, I know, but stick with me. Now, I won't go too deep into this, I promise, but one of the core principles in evolutionary psychology describes love not as an experience, but as a neurochemical mechanism that keeps people bonded in order for the procreation, survival, and thrival, if thrival is a word, of our species. So in short, the reason why you can't seem to get away from that person you love the most, who hurts you even more, might have a whole lot more to do with evolution than destiny. Knowing this really helped me to detangle myself from this toxic relationship that I felt was fueled by destiny, when in reality, it was just an evolutionary error. The prototype soulmate. The person that you are so sure is your one. But upon further inspection, when you really look closely, you realize it's not quite there. However, they do teach you a lot about what you're ultimately looking for and that thing that you spot, that you're like, oh, that's not it, that can inform you on what to focus on when you actually do connect with your life partner. When I was at a tough part in my life, I met somebody, I met my prototype. And because I was at a tough space and this person was such a light and so magnificent and so brilliant, I became extremely attached to them, but more than likely attached to the idea of them. We ended up separating. Um, just because I, again, I was at a place in life, they, they honestly could have been my almost doesn't count soulmate had this next part not happened because at the time I wasn't able to show up for that kind of potential of love and connection. And so it ended up drifting away. And then years later, after I got out of my riptide soulmate, this person miraculously found their way back to me. I actually remember to a T the day that I saw their name again, it had been years. I'd never, ever, ever stopped thinking about them. Um, I've talked about this experience before. It's actually gotten me in trouble for talking about it. So I always kind of had to roll my eyes at it, but I'd never forgotten about this person. And I was just coming out of that riptide soulmate love. And I was about to go into the shower and something compelled me to check my Instagram. And I remember that I opened it and I looked at my activity feed and I saw that they liked something. And y'all, I cackled for 30 minutes straight like evil, wicked witch from the West cackling. Like that's the level of joy and kiddishness and surprise. I didn't even know what to do with that feeling. You never have that where you cry at a funeral because you just don't know what else to do. You're so, your emotions are so confused and that's essentially what happened. Um, and what actually happened simultaneously with that is that is around the time that I started connecting with Jared. Jared and I, as many of you know, started out as fuck buddies. So he wasn't a placeholder in my life, but he was a person in my life. And then this opportunity came back around. I'm so grateful that it did. And I'm so grateful that I was with somebody, um, you know, sexually and intimately, but not formally, who encouraged me to see what that was about. Because when I had a chance to revisit it, I was like, oh, all these years, I thought it was my fault that this didn't work, but it's this thing this bit of you and this part of this need in me that just don't work well together. Um, but 
again, that love story and the idea that love could be like that got me through a lot of dark times, especially that riptide love. It actually served as my North Star, and I'm so grateful to that person for that because even though I was accepting the riptide love as what love really was, and there was a part of me that had given up and said that this is the rest of my life, that prototype love was always in the back of my mind, like it could be different. It doesn't have to be this way. And yeah, it didn't end up being my forever story, but it definitely brought me to my forever story. I do believe that. The Muse Soulmate. I think that everybody should have this in their life right now. This essentially is your couple goals person. Somebody that you maybe don't know, um, but you're just deeply drawn to this person, their story, their life, their love story. And you might think about them, you might fantasize about them, maybe you know them, maybe you don't, but their presence informs a lot about what it is that you aspire out of love um, or what inspires you about love. I have different soulmates um, all the time, different muse soulmates. Will Smith, after I read his book, was huge for me. I like, dreamt about Will Smith all the time. We are simultaneously 100% bound together and 100% free. We agreed that we were both imperfect people doing our best to figure out how to be in this world joyfully. What we needed from each other was unconditional love and support, not judgment, not punishment, but total unbending devotion to each other's growth and well-being. We came to see our marriage as a spiritual discipline what Bhakti Tirtha Swami calls the ultimate school of love. This relationship is our classroom. We are learning to cultivate care, concern, and compassion in the most intimate and difficult of circumstances. There are few things in life more challenging than being married. The intimacy tends to stir up and expose our most poisonous inner energies. If we can learn to love here, we can love anywhere. That to be said, there are soulmates out there that you don't have to necessarily love or be loved by in order for them to completely transform your romantic, intimate, and love life. I would actually hope that for some of you, I am your muse soulmate. That might be too ambitious of me, but I'm gonna put it out there. And last but not least, you guessed it, the final archetype of the soulmate is the Let's try life together. And this is an archetype of a soulmate because you actually never know the answer to the question, who is the love of my life until you die? Because I could be with my husband until 80 years old and then something happens. And then from 80 to 85, I'm with somebody else. And I'm like, this is actually the love of my life because everything is relative. Pain is relative, right? Like the deepest pain you've ever felt before is your deepest pain. It may not compare to somebody else's, uh, but that's that's your reference point until your reference point changes. So that to be said, you can never get to a place where you're like, this is my ultimate love life. This is my life partner until you die. And we can look back and say that was, in which case you'd have to have an afterlife. And if you believe in that, then that's when you can know for sure that you had a soulmate. Um, that to be said, obviously, this is Jared for me. And I know that this is Jared for me, I know in my heart that Jared is my life partner. I know in my afterlife that this is my the love of my life because every phase of our relationship has been 
perfect for exactly what it was. And as we continue to grow and evolve and deepen in each other, that feeling does not change. Sure enough, what I didn't expect to turn into anything substantial over time, without pressure, without intention, has just naturally evolved into a really awesome, reciprocal, soul-changing, positive relationship. Um, he's just friendly and kind. This is so nice to say. What? You're so sweet. Don't cry. <laughs> this is good things. I know, I'm not <laughs> sad tears. Oh. Don't cry. All right, um, I love that you're here. I will always revisit that video from 2016, February 14th. It was the beginning of me knowing the most beautiful answer to the question that I've asked my entire life. Uh, I am so, um, so grateful for the loves that I've had in my life. I'm so grateful for my love life. I'm so grateful for my love story. And I'm insanely grateful for the opportunity to be able to share it with all of you. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lovers and Friends. This has been a solo episode, something that I don't do very often, but given how special this week is to me, I just wanted to have a chance to talk Manu and Mingo. And I hope this is one of those episodes that you just revisit at different times because I know how difficult it can be to feel lost in love. And especially again, after you have just lost a love and you're trying to make sense of it and find value in it, even though you can no longer hold on to it and see it and taste it and experience it. And I had a addiction soulmates. And oh my God, I would do anything for this man. I would drop everything. I would neglect my friends, my family, myself to spend time with him but he wouldn't do the same. I found this person who just challenged my every belief and my traumas and made me reevaluate my life and the way I wanted to live and who I wanted to become and made me all around better. However, it took me a lot longer than I anticipated to get there and it required a lot of um, in-depth healing on my end. He ended up passing away in a motorcycle accident while I was abroad and we were no longer together at that time. And I didn't get to reconcile with him the way I wanted to with the healed version of myself. Even though it was the hardest situation um, and the most horrible match, it was the match that needed to happen. So I found a wonderful man that helped me see and reflect my worth back to me. He is incredibly intelligent and kind, and I had just the strongest emotional connection to him. But there's always a but. I was in the grasp of a cult that forced me to choose God over him. And when I realized I was wrong, about six months later, he had already met someone. And actually four days ago, he reached out for closure because he is now engaged and very happy and he is the one that got away. And this is a quote that I often use at nausea, um, but it's the quote from Steve Jobs. It says, you can't connect the dots looking forward, only in looking back. Can you make sense of something? Can you make something out of what was? And 
looking back, I connect the dots and I see shooting stars and they were brilliant and wonderful. And I think back fondly on them, but I'm cool with them being over. And if you are at a place right now where you're not sure if you have lost your star and things feel very dark or you got to experience a miracle that is going to lighten you up in the future, I, I hope that you get to tell my story one day. I feel like I, I don't know, I feel so tacky saying that sometimes because calling yourself goals automatically doesn't make you goals. But I don't mean that my relationship in particular is copy and paste what anyone should aspire to. Um, I think if anything, what you can learn through all of this is that there's such, there's so many variables at play when it comes to finding your person. The fortunate thing is that majority of people are looking. We are very social animals. There's 8 billion of us. Um, so even though you've got to find your one, the chances of you doing so with many people making this intention are pretty high, especially if like you meet this challenge where it's at. And of course, I have many episodes on that. Another amazing one is the one I did with Glow recently for single people who are looking for love. But um, all in all that to be said, I hope that people figure out what their math is and they know what brings them joy. They know what that life love is supposed to look like. And they lean into the loves that maybe aren't meant to be forever, but are still informing them on that very important decision and can enjoy it. And then one day can do what I can do and sit in the one that they're in and be like, this is the best one. Mm. <sighs> okay. Anyways, I'm going to end things off and just say, thank you so much. Listen to this episode of lovers and friends, a podcast. This is a time when I would usually read some rate and review sections, but Lauren from Fifth Harmony is showing up in like five minutes. So I have to redress the set and go and interview her and start that conversation. So I got to go. But that's also a humble brag because I'm really excited about this interview. And if you are excited about it too, take that excitement over to the rate and review section on Apple or Spotify. Tell the world that Lovers and Friends is a podcast worth listening to or worth thinking about. And uh, next week, I'll read out some of your reflections. If there were any soulmates that really stuck out to you, any of the 10 archetypes, a great place to communicate that to me would be the rate and review section. Maybe I get to read out some of your stories there. So let's talk next week. And I'm going to take a break and then start talking again because um, the podcast is not going to be late no more. The podcast is not going to be late no more. Saying that to myself. Fuck. Though it didn't work, it's always love, always love. And even though we hurt each other more than once, it was love, always love. For all those times that we locked eyes, when I was yours and you were mine, it's always love, always love. Clap right now and make some sound for background people. Let's go. Wow. Cheer me on. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I said, Lovers and friends. Uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end. I said,